welcome once again. It's my favorite day of the week. Brand Candy Podcast Day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is really nice. Well, I mean, Mondays are nice too because that's the day I get to do all my organizing, meal prepping, and cleaning. And Wednesdays are nice because like, <laughs> I can see you going through every day. No, that's Me, it. like, you know what? I like them all. No, I mean, they're all nice. Did Adam put this mic here like because that's where he likes it? I don't know. I don't know either. You um, sound like an angel. <laughs> Just episode. Angel oh god. Whenever people okay, this is episode one fifty eight. Oh, we've actually started. Oh, okay. I'm kidding. I know. Oh my god! <laughs> it is impossible for me to know when you've begun because right. you are the same <laughs> on and off the air. Um. Yeah, there was people don't like our singing all the time. Oh, what they I, can can it. <laughs> thing guys like i've realized that i do that whether i'm on the radio or not and i my poor child my future child is just gonna be living in a musical yeah i do that too i sing everything but i hear that's really good to, for neurological development get out yeah that's great news that's why singing lullabies is important hmm. and like there's those commercials those psa p PSAs that run that say sing, talk, and play with your kids, or sing, talk, and read to your kids, or whatever, because mm-hmm. singing is really, really important. Wow. Well, then my kids should be, you know, excellent in every way. Yeah. Because this nonstop over here with yeah. the music. <laughs> um, there was a study that I read about about babies. If you're ready for it, to just jump in, like let's that. jump in. Um, <clears throat> it was about. How to teach your kid, your baby, persistence. Oh, oh, that's a really good thing to learn. Yeah. And so you're going to love this. Mm -hmm. I've been very excited to tell you about it, actually. So they had a bunch of babies, and then they had two adults. And in one group, the adult would have a carabiner and keys, and she would put the keys on the carabiner, and she had 30 seconds, and she'd do it over and over, no problem. And the babies observed that. Mm -hmm. And then in the other group, the woman would um, have trouble getting the key on the carabiner Uh for 30 seconds. And then right at the 30-second mark, she'd finally get one on. And so the babies would observe that Uh activity. Oh, my God. This is already so cool. And then they brought in a music box in both groups. And the box had a very big... Uh, I guess you'd call it like a button that they could push that would theoretically make the sound of music. Okay. And this is infants, by the way. Right. And the kids that had observed the woman getting the keys on easily would give up when the button didn't play music because it was designed to not play anything. So they'd push the button, it didn't work, and they'd quit. And the ones that had observed oh. the woman being persistent and keep trying to get the carabiner on the key, they kept pushing the button. This has so many, uh, what's the word layers. I'm looking for? Yeah, layers, it, it, but it, it gives insight yeah. into so much. Mm-hmm. And oh, my God. They were basically saying, which, you know, you can deduce, that the best way to teach persistence isn't by, like, uh, positive reinforcement, praise, whatever. It's just by doing it yeah. as a parent. And then your kid observes you doing that, and then they'll be more likely. Now, the 
the key here, which they didn't talk about, was they saw a payoff. So I don't know what would happen if you kept trying and you failed. Mm. I don't know if the babies would be like, well, fuck that. I'm not. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they saw an eventual payoff, and that was critical. That's a critical part of it. Yeah. But it still shows, I mean, yeah, that basically in order to teach persistence, you have to demonstrate persistence. Too though that pays off, yeah. yeah. But I also think it talks. Uh, you know, I have. I was having this discussion with my husband the other day about not being afraid to discuss your weaknesses and not being afraid to talk about times where you've failed, because even with people that you know, especially with people that you're close to, like a lot of times, you know, especially people who are high achievers, you know, like to put on this front, like I'm. I know everything all the time. I mean, and I have everything perfect and I have everything together. And that almost makes people around us more uncomfortable and more nervous to be around that person Mm -hmm. than it does if you're just like that person who goes, oh my God, you know what? I'm messed up. And thank you for understanding that I'm a human who messes up and still loving me and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I think this is kind of, echoes of that yeah and it it shows that this kind of influence happens super young too i mean oh man oh man right the more we learn about learning yeah the more we see that it starts in the womb right and so that's actually true part of what makes the article really interesting which i'll put in the newsletter is about how For babies, so there's a finite, as humans, there's a finite amount of energy and effort that we can put out. Mm -hmm. So, and for babies, everything is hard. Every single thing a baby does is hard. So they have to really think about where they're going to put their energy. Uh And so for those babies in that first group, they were like, well, I'm not going to keep trying because this clearly isn't going to work because they witnessed Uh somebody else who, you know, just everything came easily. So I think that's interesting about how effort is finite and we're all having to make decisions about where do we put our energy and effort and that we should be good examples of that for the kiddos in our life. Dang, that's really cool. Thanks. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I um, love that. I know that we already got nerdy and everything, but I do have a hilarious story. Oh, good. Remember when I texted you the other day and I said, remind me to tell you about the oh, mattress? Yeah, and guess what? I forgot to tell you about the <laughs> That's okay, because I am ready to tell you. Oh my gosh, tell me, please. So... I told you Wait, guys. Wait, I have to turn my phone on on silent yeah, so that it go. doesn't disrupt me. That's good. Focus. So I can focus you on can your present. Story. Okay. <laughs> so I told you in a previous episode that I've become a tidy upper, right? Yes. Okay. So I decided, you know, to clean out my house, and I'm on this binge of just like get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So we have this mattress. That's a really great mattress, but years ago. One of my nephews spilled orange juice on it. Mm-hmm. And even when you clean orange juice up, it's like it must be from the acid or something. It like turned it browned in, in that area. It's gross to look at. But it's a great mattress, but I'm like, we got to get rid of this. And nobody's going to want a mattress with a big old stain, no. so you got to just get rid of it. And yeah. Adam was like, 
let's just put it on let go for free. If somebody wants it, they can come get it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it looks like someone was murdered. Yeah, it looks like a murder. Uh, I will say that I saw your mattress yeah. and it definitely looks like either somebody threw up or uh, was murdered. Yeah, it looks like some bodily fluid something. and not something you want to sleep right. on. But it really is from orange juice. So it's good to know about orange juice. (laughs) So I put the damn thing on let go. It's terrible. (laughs) And I got all these people being like, is this still available? And I was like, boy, he was right. I'm such an idiot. Like maybe people use it for other things in this area, like um, insulation or I don't know, sound. I don't know. Right. But I got this one person (laughs) who wrote M. Smith was his, uh-huh. I believe it was a him, uh-huh. his name, uh-huh. who wrote, is this still available? I said, yes. And he said, you're kidding. It's, are you serious? How did I get so lucky? Um, is it in good condition or question mark? And I was like, this is a troll. Yeah. Like this person is making fun of me <laughs> for putting this mattress on this site with that murder stain <laughs> Did you so, show the pi- picture of the stain in the... To who? You let, let go. go. Yes. Oh, my God. So I'm like, I'm being trolled. This guy's making uh, fun of me. I so I wrote back. So, Listen here, M. Smith. I said, someone died on it, but <gasps> other than... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You thought that you would call us bluff. Stop. So I said, other than that, it's perfect. <laughs> So then he wrote back and told me how he's disabled. No! Susie Meister, stop! Oh my god, this feels like an episode of Seinfeld or of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I can't. So, <laughs> that's when I wrote to you, was at that point in the story, when I was like, oh my god, this guy was genuinely excited genuinely. that there was a Laura Ashley mattress that had a small, large stain on it. And when I said someone died on it, he he just barely responded oh to that part. God. He was like, "Okay, I see. Well, I'm disabled, and I'm- oh my god, oh my god!" And then, oh my gosh, I have anxiety for you right now. I can't. So then, said, "What do you backtrack?" I did. I go. I'm sorry. I was just joking. Now you're what kind of fucked up person jokes about somebody dying on the mattress they're trying to sell <laughs> like in the story you're the weird one <laughs> this is well false because <laughs> <laughs> and after a long back and forth of where do you live i have my nurse is coming i have a doctor's appointment how do i get there from um glendale or wherever days of back and forth he's like please keep it for me don't give it to anyone else he never shows up. He was trolling me is the end of the story. Oh. And I had to block him on let go. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that was such a, a roller coaster me. of emotions. That was really fun. I feel like he I thought I out trolled him and then he out trolled me. Susie. Yeah. Give up. I am a, I have a problem. What is, I do you're, not like you're when gonna people. You're going to have to start your own meetings, support groups for people who respond to trolls. It's more than that. It's like whenever I feel like someone mm-hmm. is taking time out of their life to make mine worse, that's absurd. It's a free, dirty mattress. Take so it the best thing it. to do is to take time out of your life. <laughs> he did later in this uh, yeah. conversation say like, but what is the stain? 
And oh. I told him, Adam told me to say it was coffee. No, I would have gone with the orange I juice. I know. Why, like, why, why are, are we lying? <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put a picture okay. of the mattress this in my This is great. You letter. totally should. Oh my God. I'm dying. I'm sorry. This there you go. So that's funny. all. I, I could go on, but I won't. Go ahead. Well, um, I have one that's on the subject of bodily fluids. Okay, great. So, you know, we talk a lot on here about gender differences. Yeah. We talk a lot about um, STEM skills, yeah. you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. And there's been a ton of research that's been done because everybody's asking the question of, like, why is there such a gap? What is this where is this fall off of girls and boys and boys skills and girls skills? And Mm. there is one category in which no matter what you, no matter how you run the test, no matter how you account for like taking into consideration gender differences, boys will always score better than girls on the anticipation of where a object is going to be in the future. So range so motion. So mm. an object in motion and its future placement. So fi- the physics of an arc, the physics of uh motion and there is a researcher in Australia who believes that she has it all figured out and their research team has discovered the link. What? Boys peeing standing up. Oh, I did see that. Right. And they start practicing or it is yes, inborn? It's it's almost like it could be both. Yeah. It's because it has been since for, I mean, since we could stand up that they've had to hold it and aim and basically practice an object, practice physics from the time they can stand up and pee. That's crazy. And girls don't ever get this practice. Right. And we, that's why they're better at basketball. That's why they're better at like sports where you're throwing a ball into a hoop. You're essentially peeing. It's the same arc yeah. that they've been studying the whole time. Holy crap. It's You would think the they pee. would be better at it then, given how much practice they oh, get. No joke, I because mean, mine's still missing. I mean, my husband, I mean. Right, like how bad are we at peeing if that's their best? <laughs> and I'll get, take it one step further. My husband's in a neck brace right now where he cannot look down. He's just guessing. It we're going like what do you like muscle memory. Oh my god. How bad is it? Well, we use different bathrooms now and like <laughs> they're divorced. <laughs> divorced. Um, here's another story about bodily fluids. This is crazy. Here's the truth. The um FDA does not require uh Feminine products to be regulated in terms of ingredients. I can't believe that. And whatever they use to treat the cotton and whatever. I don't even know. Is it cotton? Yeah. Well, we don't. We don't know. Question mark. In the box. But a company has come to our rescue, which is called Sustain. And we've been using these products. Sarah's been lubing up. <laughs> Got to. Why not? <laughs> they make um, pads, tampons, lube, condoms, and it's all stuff that is good for you, vagina friendly, and it's organic, and you can feel really good about putting it in your vag. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, or, literally, I literally have. Oh, I'm you're using wearing, the product. Uh, as would you speak. say 
I always said wear like, it. But it? you're right. Using is I'm better. using it. I'm using it. <laughs> How is purpose. it right now? It's doing its job. <laughs> Don't even feel it. Sarah is using it as we speak. But I do feel good that it's, you know, all organic. I know where it's coming from. And it just shows up to my house. And I don't have to yeah. worry about... Uh, you know, buying, buying it, going to the store, even remembering. It's a service that you subscribe to online. So right now, our listeners get their first month free and free shipping when you sign up at sustainnatural.com and use Brain Candy at checkout. That's sustainnatural.com and that's sustain all natural vagina friendly products that put women's bodies first. Uh, we've had a lot of talk about bodily fluids. You sure have. Are you ready to move on from yeah, that? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I have so many good stories oh, for you. Oh, it on me. Okay. Um, there is a situation in um, Beijing, I guess, in different parts of China where there's not a lot of space. And so they have to limit how many people can get a car, right? Because there's just not oh, okay. enough room for right. everybody to have a car. Got it. So they have a lottery for license plates. Oh, wow. Okay. And so only one out of 800 and some oh. people can get a license plate. Oh, my gosh. Right. <gasps> and so there's a loophole, which is that if you're married, you can transfer a license plate. And so they have all these sham weddings going on in China. And people oh. will advertise, like, if you want a license plate, let's get married, and it'll be $10,000. Oh, And they're this doing it crazy. Just to get a license plate. And how, like... Um, one couple in particular had to divorce their respective spouses, oh marry the- <laughs> oh marry somebody new to get a license plate, then divorce that person, and remarry their original spouses. What do you think of that? Uh, it's crazy. It, uh, it's just so. You just don't think. About I don't that. even think about stuff yeah. like that. What's funny is there if the license plate has an eight in it. That's considered a lucky number in China. Oh my gosh, yeah, because numerology is yeah. really important. So they you you pay a real premium oh, for that. And eight eight eight, if it has eight eight eight, I mean it's like double. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this I didn't know why, but world, apparently right? the number eight in Mandarin, I guess it is, mm-hmm. sounds the same as the word for fortune. Oh, well, I have seen color graph my synesthesia in which I see numbers as colors yeah. and eight is orange and orange is my least favorite color and eight is also my least favorite number. Oh, well, that's weird. Maybe you're unlucky though. I, well, Suze. Is that possible? <laughs> well, Suze. <laughs> like I did it. Look, What's three? I don't make the rules. I don't know. That's my favorite because it's blue. It's good. <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs> it's Look really... it up in numerology. All you numerology folks, what are threes? Yeah, I mean, but What's I What's your favorite number? Five. Oh, it's green. Oh, that's nice. It seems nice. And you're weird. <laughs> um, I wish you could get rid of that. I, I you don't. You like it? Yeah. I get mm. to remember things twice as well. It just seems so limiting. Limiting? Yeah, because if you see it- seems it, like it opens more doors. <laughs> what doors does that open up? In b- places in my brain in which to store information. What? <laughs> How so? I just, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. It just does. You tell me right now. I think it improves my memory. Because you can see the color and the number. Yes. Because I, I register something in two places in my brain. Mm. Like if you, if you really had to remember a license plate. Yeah. Um, That's true. You know, I can, I, can, I can just like if I really need to remember a number for longer or whatever it is. 
I don't know. I just feel like it. What if? I feel like it's an advantage. I love it. <laughs> my Get numbers out. or my letters and numbers all have a gender. Yeah, oh, you you have the same thing. Yeah, but that's not the, as big of a problem. I mean, cause what's I, three? That's a boy, Sarah. <laughs> so you say it like it's so the obvious. The only girls are four and seven. Oh. I don't know why. Oh. Why? Somebody tell me. Oh. I would love to know the reason. Because red and teal, why are they boys and girls? But yours, you told me that a lot of that synesthesia, maybe color number thing, yeah. might be from toys yes, that you Yes, I think that was it. So what's my weird gender crap? F if I know. F. Get to the bottom of that, all you smart people that listen. How yeah. about how one of the Brainiacs is going on Jeopardy? Oh my gosh, I forgot. That is so cool. That is so on brand with us. I know. And and I think it's the same person that made that Hello Friends Stop. thing. Her name is She's the same. my favorite. I know. She. I'm like, you're a real renaissance woman. She is. Right? I feel, and she invited that, us if, to come with if her. She's not married. She is. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say somebody should definitely <laughs> get on that. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> I, I mean that with all due respect. Do you remember on Cheers when Cliff went on Jeopardy and Norm went and was in the audience? Oh, that's vaguely. a very funny episode, and I feel like because she invited us, it will be like that if we go, like where it's just going to be a mess because of us. Oh, I I haven't seen that episode then. It's I want so to see great. that. That's funny. Um, no, I. It would be really hard for me to not yell out answers. Do people do that in the audience? That is what I, I want to know. Never be allowed to go because <laughs> I thought Sarah's going to make a scene. And if I'm anything in Jeopardy audiences, like I am in actual movie theaters, uh, uh-uh. uh. Why are you like that? I don't Everybody mean, hates you. I know. What's wrong with me? Ugh. <laughs> oh. But do you know when you're doing it that everyone's angry? <laughs> I want to know. You've had no, a lot like, of weird I've movie theater behavior lately. To control myself as oh. an adult, but I don't do it as I don't do it when I'm in movie theaters. But I do it when I'm watching movies with people at home, like when they're my friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's probably when it's most annoying. And I I can't even imagine you watching it Jeopardy from your living room because oh, it would be so 100%. raucous. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably scream out the answers constantly. Oh, that's the only way you watch it. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. By the way, you know how I got that Alexa? Apparently... You can play Jeopardy with her. No, stop. I haven't done it yet. That's amazing. We should do a video or something. Yeah, we should, totally should. I moved her out of this room because... Oh, I was going to say... I I'm like scared to say her name. I was like, you said it. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. Whenever you say her name, she comes to life and... It's a future man. Yeah. I was playing Billy Joel on her the other day and he has a song called Down Easter Alexa. And I was like, what's going to happen? Oh my God. <laughs> like, this is so meta. <laughs> but okay. nothing happened. She you have knows. to watch... <laughs> You have to watch the South Park episode. The season premiere of South Park this season is all about um, uh, Alexa mm-hmm. and like those kind of robots and yeah. uh, the people, the Trump supporters who think that Mexicans are taking our jobs. Oh, yes. And oh, right. you have you to see it that. and it's really funny and everybody should check it out. And I love South Park and they're great. P.S. A while ago, you said you were going to talk about um, 
something that Jane McGonigal on Twitter had brought up about robots having a rape feature. Oh, oh my god. And you gosh. never did. I never talked about this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, I can't even remember what, I think she was referencing an article or something that, a study that somebody else had done. So there was a robot. So these are sex robots. Yes. yes. This is a robot that's designed for doing sex. It. Doing, doing it. And the manufacturer made a setting on it that is, oh, they call her Frigid Frida. There's that is a name. So weird. I think I'm. I'm like it's frigid. Yeah, it's frigid Frida. I know it is, and I'll find. I'll find the link to this because I read it and I was like, oh my freaking gosh! So you can have settings on her of what her personality is, and frigid Frida is like. And what's really sick is the article I was reading talks about how many times we as women have been called frigid if you refuse that, and how. That's fucking rape culture if I ever heard it. And so what happens next? Do we then have to have a, not do we, we do have to have an ethical and moral guideline for artificial intelligence and right. for robots. And that's what she was saying is how disgusting. So I guess the, the future's f- freaking here, man. Is the feature, it's not called that officially. Mm-hmm. I think so. I really do. look. These are sick fucks who make these toys. Okay, <laughs> and go ahead. If you're one of these toy makers and you want to write to me, write to me. <laughs> Send it to <laughs> Susie at <laughs> I don't care at gosocket.com. I thought you you were gonna send them to me. Okay, wait. Let me look it up. So I thought that this was a feature where the sex robot was told to like resist, but I didn't know it was actually called rape mode no it's called it's called um okay wait wait wait, wait. i'm gonna look it up because that is real real crazy new sex robot allows its owner to simulate rape oh frigid farah oh yeah that kind of sounds sluttier <laughs> frigid frida um, that's our problem with it. oh oh you guess what you know oh you're gonna love this one guess who's the one who's ready to go and into s&m tell me S&M Susan. Come on. I swear to God. You're lying. Oh, Susan more contra- would okay, never okay. do Listen that. Listen to this. Oh, this is insane. According to the True Companions erotic website, which is the, where this comes from. True Companions. The Roxy True Companion, and that's Roxy with three X's in case you were wondering, <laughs> has a number of programmable settings which will give her, and they put her in quote, you know. Yeah. Because you have to. Uh, <laughs> one of several personality options. s Susan will mean she's ready to provide your pain slash pleasure fantasies. You would. <laughs> I'm so kidding. not like her. Uh, as Susie's talking to me in a black turtleneck <laughs> with her hair in a bun, and all she's missing is the leather Spectacles? skirt and the whip. Oh, I thought it was going to be like sexy or, librarian. Oh, um, but on the more controversial end of the scale is the young Yoko option, which means Here. she's barely 18. Frigid Farah, which when touched in a private area, more than likely she will not be appreciative of your advance. In other words, it offers fantasy scenarios in which a woman says no to your advances, but you do it anyway, making it rape simulation. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, that is so gross. It's so disgusting. And also, I have to question their naming practices. Yeah, no. Joke. Young Yoko? What are we doing? Well, I know what it refers to, Sarah. But 
I'm saying, like, in addition to the horrible rape. Everything's wrong with this. Everything, <laughs> everything is wrong with this. Wow, good Where to Where do you know. even start? How we'll much are these things? Link. How much do they Let's run? Let's click on the website. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I think that's a mistake. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, my gosh. She's in too deep. Wow, frequently. It took me right there, huh? Right to frequently ask questions. They Don't worry. They say, oh, my God. Listen to what it says. An open letter from the management and true companion. It says that frigid ferret can be used to help people understand how to be intimate with a partner. Rape simply isn't an interaction that Roxy supports, nor is it something that our customers are requesting. Our customers are purchasing Roxy because they want to experience companionship, and rape is not part of any oh, well, reason. Then what is happening? What the heck? I'm getting mixed messages from Yoko. <laughs> no joke. This <laughs> no is crazy. Joko. Oh, well, that really brought me down. I'm going to bring it back up with some other stuff. Um, <laughs> everything's everything's everything is weird. Terrible. Everything's terrible. The whole world is burning. <sighs> everything is awful. All right. Have you seen something on any social media called Tiny Kitchen? <laughs> Changing the set. Can I take a guess? Yes. This is... <laughs> I can't stop laughing because that's so weird. Guys, we okay. have not begun drinking no, yet. No, we haven't. I had a soda. Um, <laughs> I had a pop. Uh, also, do you say soda or pop? Pop. Uh, you would. Well, Because that's where you're from. Yeah. Right. I don't mean like you. You know, actually, I do mean that. Just okay. Um, carry so, on. The, the tiny kitchen, is it where <laughs> they make little food yeah. out of things? Yeah. I saw one that somebody did as like a, they do these almost like interludes on Vice television where they had this, I think she's a female comedian. Well, I think she's a comedian. Oh. I mean. The Tiny Kitchen chef? She came on. I don't know if it's from Tiny Kitchen or she (laughs) made a teeny tiny hamburger with teeny tiny fries. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Sarah, though, the weird thing is, so this is a real website and it's videos of like dollhouse sized equipment and <laughs> utensils and stuff i would be obsessed i shouldn't start watching because i'll never stop you you should though because <laughs> i don't think it's designed to be funny no it's not i don't well i think people enjoy mm-hmm. tiny things <laughs> we do they're adorable and like the ingredient sizes are like one grain of salt <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's so And, cute. like, I don't know how she does the egg amount, but she does. Does she have a little, yo- uh, like, right. whites? And I've milk? only seen yellow, so I guess she, like, mixes up and then does, like, a... Um, a droplet. A, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then somehow gets it in there. I can't wait to Google this. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to become weirdly obsessed with... I fell into a hole on Instagram of people who were, like, holiday hoarders. Do you remember that? And I sent you a bunch of the pictures. Holiday? They're collectors but they're basically hoarders but it's people who have insta- turned their collections into instagram why do you call it holiday because they'll often be ho- they change their hoard with the season <laughs> <laughs> these are like organized hoarders really yes oh my gosh they're so much fun if I mean, you, you go back about two years <laughs> i know i do if you go back about two years there's probably uh, like 20 accounts I followed in a row that are all this. 
I'm going to go back and link. You know I'm going to send you some. Cause there's, if you're going to be a hoarder, right? it's great to be a holiday hoarder. And Halloween is right around the corner. You know it's good <laughs> right now. This is this is their time of year. This is like their Super Bowl. <laughs> They're really ramping up. Is it all outdoor? No, it's indoor. It's, it's all, all inside. It's of course so, it is. I'm going to blow your mind when I show you their holiday hoards. And they do like theme rooms? It I don't is even know how like, to picture this. Okay, it's almost like you're playing that. Remember those magic eye game, those books that yeah. were where you find things, and it was just a mess, but it was fun to look at the mess, and you'd be like, Ooh, "Yeah, there's what a are bunch those of books cool... called? It's not magic eye, no, but it is. Um, we had one of those. Man, they were so fun. Yeah, you totally know what I'm talking about. Yeah, everybody we had out there. One. These toys, and yes. it was just like a pile, and of it toys. was a pile of them, but they were they're arranged. Like, yeah. In a way that's that's how these people do this. Good for them. It's great. How do you think they keep it clean though? It's probably like my mattress. There's a lot of orange juice. <laughs> well, and going also on. they're only showing you like the pick the corners that they they could pan left and it's like oh my god whose joke was it? The best stand up comedian who did I think it was Sarah Silverman who did the joke about what happens when you t- <laughs> on cut LA on, <laughs> and Christine Baranski's like up against the wall. We have to explain what the heck we're talking about because people are like we're not what? even doing a show anymore. We're just talking. Oh. Okay, um, Sarah Silverman talked about how she was a guest on I think it was. Either CSI or LA mm-hmm. Law or whatever. Or LA Law's not even out anymore. It's not. What is that is, I was going to say, back in how time, old are you? I was thinking of Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. Oh, God. And she was talking about how, like, really respectable actors, when they'd leave a scene and they'd be like, have these files on my desk by the morning. And then they would have to, like, pretend to walk off set, but they can't actually do that because it would move, it would mess everything up. Right. So they have to be, like, Spider-Man up against <laughs> the wall. They have to gecko themselves to the wall. <laughs> and the idea of somebody who's, like, a high-paid actor on Law & Order like geckoing themselves is so funny. But, I mean, I'm thinking the holiday hoarders. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody respectable is behind the, mm. the lens on yeah, that one. Yeah, you haven't seen those hoards. What They're do I know? Good. Yeah. Pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But the tiny kitchen is something that you oh should consider because I really think it would appeal to you and your weird. Why is everything tiny adorable? Oh, I just hit the mic. This is something my friend Val, he hates the, like the fact. I thought you were going to say hates big things. <laughs> <laughs> no, he talks about how like. If you see a little dollhouse set, every woman or even probably some guys would be like, oh, that's so cute. And he goes, why? Why is that cute? What's cute about it? I mean, like certain ones are cute. Like if you showed me a minute, it has to be something I like. Like if you showed me a miniature mid-century modern house, I'm like, oh my God, adorable. But if you show me one of those ugly ass Victorian dollhouses, somebody's going to get mad at me. It's still pretty like to your eye. Don't you think? I like looking yeah, at okay. it. Okay, you're right. I do like looking stuff. at it. Okay, you're right. Totally. And I want to see. And I'm like, how'd they get that so small? I did read a thing about how it's a biological quirk where because our brains need to love babies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like we love puppies. We love we everything. Love anything with big eyes. Oh yeah, same uh, a effect. Big eye too. So head big eyes. Ratio. Everything else is small. Yeah. Big eyes. <laughs> The only oh. thing we want big. Yeah. Eyeballs. Japanese culture has freaking nailed that. Right. They know exactly what we like. Big Val ass, doesn't tiny know. Things. He doesn't know. No. He'll love it. I'm including him in this. 
Uh, okay. Oh, man. Let's have some wine. Let's. Oh, we've please. been waiting, but now I'm like, can you believe it? Right. This is us regular soaps. Maybe we'll calm down a bit. <laughs> we are drinking Wink wine. Thank you very much. And you guys need to do it too because you can take a quiz and find out what you like and it's shipped to your door, which is nice because I know how you guys are shopping for wine now and it's by the label and mm-hmm. you know it and I know it and you need to stop. So here's what you need to do. Pick out a wine. You're, they're going to pick out a wine that you're going to love, but here's the catch. You have to... Ooh, it says... It has to be one you haven't had before. Oh, okay. So they're saying, oh. right, right. So they're saying like you just have to take the test. They're gonna, you have to put your faith in them, oh, nice. and then they're gonna send you something you like. Go to trywink.com/braincandy. So that's try w-i-n-c.com/braincandy, and you're gonna get twenty dollars off your first order. And there's a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee, so you never pay for a bottle you don't like. So you don't really have to put guarantee on wine. <laughs> Hello, right. I'm in. You don't really have to put your faith in them because they're putting their own. I wish there were 100 percent satisfaction on wine at restaurants, so I could drink the there whole glass and then be like, oh, whole... <laughs> "Yeah, I didn't like that much." Right, like Fill my mother-in-law. Uh, the... oh, no. Well, here's what she does. Stop. She sends the server. She's. I thank God she wouldn't know how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> she sends the server back to get a taste of a wine. 15 times, no, no. like 15 different kinds. No. By the time she's done, then she goes, no thanks, doesn't get a glass. <gasps> and by that time, she's wasted <laughs> on the 15 cents. My... Wow. So don't that's be like new, my mother-in-law. That's, that's a new one. I mean, she's something special. That's interesting. She doesn't even drink wine. I don't know. what I think she enjoys like putting them to work. Oh, that's people who have never worked in the service industry. Is who would enjoy doing I've that. never worked in the service industry. I apologize to everybody in the service industry because I don't know what it's like. And you're right. You have a different understanding. You seem like the kind of person that would like to work in the industry. People say that. Like my mom said that she thought I would be, I would end up dancing at Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> I mean, time is not up. <laughs> I think, well, could you imagine? Do they dance there? Not, uh. Just you would be dancing, no one else. <laughs> what if? Is it? Shows, I think it's one of the ones where they dance at. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, Lone Star Steakhouse and Saloon, they do. Something like that. Because I was, I was doing the old line oh. dances at Lone Star. You buried the lead right there. Right there. <laughs> you should have came out right away with. With what? I di- did that. <laughs> did I you have sure to wear did. an outfit? No, it's just a, a t-shirt and jeans oh. situation. I would have met, I, in, <laughs> in, in my, in my, like cause Jesse. I don't know of the Lone Star Steakhouse. Mm. So really? No, I don't know that. We don't have them here. I've only lived in California. You do. Do, wait, do they have them here? If they do, we should totally go. Oh my God. That would be so funny. But I was expecting you to be wearing like pink boots with stars <laughs> on the side. God. And then like some shorts. Mm-mm. None of that was okay, happening. Good. Thank God. Yeah. I was suck. a bartender, so I had to do oh. the line dances behind the bar oh. mostly. That's cool. That's yeah. Like how, what is it? Coyote ugly? Best three weeks of my life. No, I wasn't. No, I'm just joking. Oh <laughs> just joking. You are funny today. No, it was like extra. an hour. Thanks, Sarah. You are making me laugh. Uh, okay. Do you have one last thing? Um, yeah, I have a really good, uh, a really good documentary I saw I on Netflix. Okay. Just like a little quick one. What was it? It's the Lady Gaga. Oh yeah. Bio. Five feet two or whatever. It's really good. Why? I just really liked seeing her 
behind the scenes and she's just really dedicated and it shows you that like if you it shows you that you kind of got to be a bitch oh my god why what's going on well just a lot of it is is business stuff or in personal life (sighs) well both you know um there's a lot that goes on with putting on a concert or putting on a performance and if the lights aren't right or if timing is wrong or if the dancers aren't where they're supposed to be, nobody blames the choreographer of the dance. Nobody blames the light technician. They say, oh, Lady Gaga's concert messed up, and they blame Lady Gaga. So she takes a lot of pride in making sure everything happens the right way it should. As if she were a dude, nobody would question if she walked around and said, do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have this? But there's all this pushback she gets, and you could see it. And you could just see her frustration with like the, oh, God. And it's just really good. And then she talks a lot about how, not a lot, but she mentions in it that like Madonna is kind of giving her the brush off. And yeah, like talk that's shit. weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of mad at Madonna about that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But she, Madonna feels like Lady Gaga stole um, her riff in Born This Way. It sounds a lot like, um, I forget if it's Vogue or one of, those songs from that oh. era. I can't Ooh, remember. No other way. Vogue, Vogue. I can't remember. Yeah, I can, can it, see. When you put hear them together, it is like, oh, that was either informed by mm-hmm. that song or inspired by it or or lifted. Do you think Madonna would feel better if she gave her writing credit on it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Madonna's a bitch too. And yeah. she'll be, she said, you know, that sure sounds like mine. Uh, but I just feel like they're at the they kind of been through the same things, and when you watch it, it almost seems like they would have so much. And I mean, bitch in happened. a compliment. right? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, that uh, Madonna would like reach out to her and be like, "Yeah, doesn't it suck? Like you've mm. been through that. I've been through that. Like, well, we it's kind of like you know. that movie Feud was uh, put out recently about those two women from the fifties, forties, and fifties that were." Um, in the feud, they were famous actresses, and oh, I don't know about look this. it up real quick because oh. I, I I don't want to get I think Marlene Dietrich and uh, what's her name I know who you think this is going to be fun Sarah doesn't even know the film no, but <laughs> I bet I bet it's because it was really famous and the one of them's brunette with short hair um I was going to say Joan Crawford yeah I think it might be if it's Joan Crawford. I think it is, and I just want the to point say is, like, yeah, finally. finally. <laughs> uh, the point <laughs> is that those ladies actually had tons in common, but they never came together because, like, the Betty um, Davis and Joan Crawford. Oh, I got mine wrong. Great, Suze. <laughs> Marlene Dietrich, dummy. Okay, so but Marlene Dietrich is in mentioned in the song Vogue, so that's probably why you mentioned right, it. I was primed. At any rate, the point of the the film was that these women had so much in common but like the studios mm-hmm. behind them uh-huh. like encouraged the feud because right. it was like good for business yeah. but it might be a similar situation where they're so similar yeah. that then they like resent oh, each other maybe. because you, know? you see Lady Gaga and uh, Florence from Florence and the Machine and they're just working so well yeah. together and Florence is you know below Lady Gaga as far as like followers and all that. And yeah. she's just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you deal with all of it. And she's just so sweet and so nice. And I, I don't know, I just, I want Lady Gaga and Madonna to get along. Well, speaking of sort of women in the industry, we have a guest today that 
was a model in the uh, 70s and 80s, the late 70s, early 80s. And she wrote a book called The Currency of Love. And it was one of our book club picks recently. And she describes her career in modeling and all of the sort of craziness that goes on there the the predators that exist in the industry. The, I bet there's so much behind the scenes stuff. Right, and there was nobody so talks, much, especially during that time. Right. Oh my gosh. And so, but the craziest part about it is that could be its own book. But then she meets this billionaire, and he asks her to become her his pleasure wife, which is to say, join a harem oh, and be one of his women in his harem. And she does it, and she's in love with was in love with him. And she describes that story, and it is crazy. And I, you talk to her, you'll hear in the interview, she's so lovely and normal, quote-unquote mm-hmm. normal. And you think, this lady was in a harem. I feel like this, the same kind of things are happening today with those girls who get, are like the Instagram models yep. who get paid a whole bunch. It's the same thing. Yeah. So this is almost like a... a foreshadowing yes yeah or cautionary tale if you will or... yeah she talks about that and how it's all almost like the more things change the more they stay the same uh-huh like it's just same crap different Man. uh venue or whatever mm-hmm. you know now it's on instagram before it was in the vogue or whatever right so she's fascinating oh, and the book is really good and it's just it's a page turner i read it in one day because i was just like i couldn't put it down what's the book called the currency of love oh, cool and this is jill dodd welcome to the show welcome your book jill is fantastic so thanks for coming on the podcast again how are you feeling since the book came out um i'm doing great since the book came out i've uh, been just trying to promote it i'm doing a lot of interviews and um i just hired another publicist or a new publicist in los angeles and I really like her. Oh my god! Um, and then You're hustling. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, trying to get the word out. I really love doing book clubs. That what are the, people saying? Like when you go in, or when you hear what their feedback is? What see, and that's what I love. I'm more honestly. I'm more interested to hear how the story inspired somebody else than to talk about it myself. Mm. So you know, I usually do a little bit of a reading and then. They always have questions about everything. You know, what's it like to be in a harem or what? But they have detailed questions, though. <laughs> and then I like to open it up to where it goes around the table and people, I ask them, how did the book inspire them or change their viewpoints on something? And that's the part that is the most interesting to me. So it all depends on the group of women that I have, because so far it's been mostly women. A lot of men have read it, but the book clubs have book clubs have been women so far. Um, but the first book club I did, there were women that were in their forties. Most of them were in their forties, probably some younger than that, and maybe a couple older. And the interesting thing to me was that at, at least half of them started talking about when they had been raped Mm. and they had never told anybody like these were all good friends and none of them knew that it had happened to the other one Mm -hmm. this was the first time they'd ever told anyone and it happened you know for all of them it was years ago it was like during college age or when they were in their 20s um and they hadn't told anyone 
So I felt good that, you know, at least it started a conversation because I think that the harder we hold in those secrets, the more damage that they do and the more shame that we feel instead of, you know, shining the light on it and exposing it and then uh, dissipating the shame attached to it. Right. I couldn't agree more. And that was the feedback we got from our book club and my co-host Sarah as well. It's like, Oh, good. I mean, the things that you went through, you kind of have this extreme life, right? Where it's like bigger and wilder and, and more shocking, but Mm -hmm. we can relate to those same experiences on a certain level because so many of us have been assaulted and, and had, pain in that way as well. So I was so inspired by that too. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Did oh, you feel vulnerable and like, do you feel exposed? You know, when I was writing it, it was, t- it was terrifying. Yeah. While I was writing it. It was, it was terrifying and, and it was difficult to write. And every time I would do an edit, I would relive the experience and it would cause me so much pain to put myself back in those situations again. It was super painful. So, um, I don't feel, I don't, it's funny. I don't feel too exposed. It's weird. Maybe I should feel that way, but I, I don't, I feel like it was right to talk about it and that if, if, if I talk about it, then maybe other people can discuss it. Well, and maybe part of why you don't feel that vulnerability is because you are hearing from other women that they've been in a similar situation. So there's some support there. I think that that's exactly what's going on. And I didn't know what kind of feedback I would have, you know, when I put the book out, I didn't know, you know, when you make something like this, just like any kind of art piece, you don't know if the public will like it or hate it or whatever. And the response has been so positive, um, that I'm used to it being positive now. I'm just, it's become like a normal. And I think people are, they're, they're thanking me for writing these things. So, um, I feel good that I did it, but while I was writing it, it was very painful and I was terrified. Um, but then, you know, after I edited it and edited it again and again, um, each time those scenes became a little bit less painful to delve back into. So I think that it was somewhat healing to a degree. Like people would ask me if it was cathartic and I used to say, no, it's not cathartic. It's horrible. It's painful. I hate it. You know, but I just kept doing it. And I do think that it has healed me to some extent. I believe that truly. That is awesome. If even if nobody else read it, what a great way to help yourself. Yeah. Maybe it was just, um, exposure therapy or immersion therapy where you just look at it for so long in such detail that 
it becomes less painful somehow. I don't know how it works. I want to know, because you talk about your folks in the book. Right. And there's sort of threads that weave throughout about the ways that you were hurt by various men or relationships that you had that were painful. How are things with your folks now? Well, they aren't happy that I wrote the book. Right. So I think that my dad would be okay with it because he's a much more open person. And I think he really misses me. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom, when she asked about, she asked me point blank. She said, are, are we in the book? Meaning my parents. And I said, you're in it just a very small amount. But yes, you're in it. And she flipped a switch and she screamed at me and she called me every name you could think of. And every she told me I was every terrible, Mm. most degrading thing you could ever tell another person. And then she said, I'm done with you. And she hung up. And I was sort of, I was not just sort of, I was shocked. But over time... Well, and, and even like at that time, my, my son was there, my husband was there, my daughters were there when she did this, I was on the phone and, and they all said, you know, then it's time to let it go, but just let go. And I took that advice and I let go and, um, I haven't spoken to them since. So it's been a couple of years and I don't miss the drama and I don't miss the, um, crude remarks from my dad because he's still, you just never know what he's going to say that's going to be um, sexual and aimed at me um, or aimed about his own obsessions, which just don't feel good to hear from your own dad. So I don't miss that, but I think it's sad that, you know, they, you know, they're just, they didn't, they don't, they know what they did and they know it was even you know, much worse than what I put in the book. So wow, that's really painful. I yeah, imagine. it's just sad. I mean, and they don't, you know, it's like, I think if they came to me and said, you know, can we talk about this? You know, I'd like to revisit and let's go through this and it would be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. Wow. That is heavy. Yeah. Well, it's always good though, to get toxicity out of your life. And if that's yeah, the, the silver lining to it, then and they, they have always been, um, they've been supportive of me, like with my kids, they love their grandkids and stuff, but it's, it's a, it's, I don't miss the drama and it's never been like, I've never had a mother daughter relationship with my mom. She was never able to be a mom. And then my dad, I always had my defenses up. So even though he's wonderful in so many ways, it's just, I, I always feel on guard and I don't, I don't miss that. So anyway. another uh, kind of dramatic element that I realized when I was preparing for our interview was that Adnan passed away just recently. Right. He died on the exact date that my book came out, the exact day. And he was 82 years old. I, or maybe he was 83, 82, I believe. I mean, that is yeah. something. I know. And did it complicate how you felt about doing totally? Yeah, totally. Because the night before, I was so excited. I was like, "Tomorrow's my publication date." I was super excited, and then I woke up and I read the news 
and saw that he had died and it just changed everything. And I was mourning for the next week solid and just in a spin. And just do you think that he knew about your book? I do. I do. Yeah. I actually know that he knows and I, and I can't say why I know, but because there's people that I don't talk about that don't want to know that. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but I, I do know that he knows and that he was very supportive. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's was, comforting, right? Yeah. Yes. Very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. If he was, he was happy about it, actually, it, it made him happy. Good. Okay. So people that are listening that haven't read the book yet, Adnan was, what, what would you call the, the leader of <laughs> Well, he was, um, he was a character. I mean, this was just a charismatic man who, who had a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a, he was at, at, for several years, I think he was considered the wealthiest man in the world. I don't know if he was, but, but he was known as the richest man in the world. And um, he was charismatic. <clears throat> oh yeah. And funny. Oh my God. He was so funny. And, and very, this guy ha- was he, okay. So he taught, convinced you into what he referred to as you are going to be his pleasure wife. Yes. Can you explain to the listeners what that is? Yes. Um, so we had had, we had this crazy courtship in Paris and, um, because I met him in Monte Carlo and then we began seeing each other in Paris and I started really falling for him because he was so intelligent and Mm -hmm. he, you know, people are like, Oh, he was older than you. And he's not like traditionally handsome, but I never liked traditionally handsome anyway. And the age difference didn't bother me at all. He was 44, but his spirit was so youthful. I just, I don't know. I was just drawn to him. Um, and so he took me to Spain and he explained to me, we, we got to this point where he, he had made me a bath and I mean, it's a whole chapter. Um, <laughs> but we, there's some cocaine involved and <laughs> bubble bath. And anyway, cocaine. we wind up on his bed talking and, and I think I probably leaned over to kiss him. I really wanted to kiss him. And he said, stop, stop. I can't kiss you until we make an agreement. I want to make a contract with you. And then he explained that he doesn't have a wife in a traditional way anymore. He said he'll never marry in a traditional way again because of his divorce. Um, He says, I have another way. It's, you've probably heard of it from your Bible. And I said, well, I've never read the Bible, but you know, maybe in history class. And then he explained how, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago, um, so many men were killed in battle that they needed to provide, excuse me, provide for more than one woman. And if one man died, he would have to take on his brother's wife and children to take care of them. So he said that people that were really wealthy would take on several wives and provide for them. So he said that it still goes on today in Saudi Arabia with like the king. And he said that he's one of these men who's allowed to do this. And I was just like, kind of like, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I just wanted to, I just wanted to 
make love with him, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I did. And so I was just like, kind of like, I wasn't like whatever, but I just was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I felt like he was justifying it. And he also said he wanted to take care of me for a five year period. And I was just like, I don't need that. You know, and, and then he's like, you, you'll meet, you know, stay with me. You'll meet a young Duke or a Lord and you'll marry well. And I'm just like, I don't really want that. I want you, you know? So I thought this was very, uh, confusing but I I kept you know pushing it aside and just like let's get to let's do us. this yeah yeah let's do this <laughs> exactly yeah so okay so uh, you find yourself in this situation then where you are in a non-traditional polyamorous some people call them polyamorous right. relationships right um, it, yeah definitely but it was just like I imagine crowded what did it feel crowded for you you know, at first I liked it because I had been so alone in mm. Paris modeling and I didn't have any kind of family around me. I didn't have my old girlfriends and guy friends around me. So I was working really hard to gain friendships and relationships. So I think at first the whole entourage feeling was comforting mm. and it felt safe knowing that everything was taken care of. I didn't have to think about um, where I was going to get food that day or what I was going to do that day for work or it, it kind of made things easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But as time, and I also didn't realize that one of the girls I was traveling with was another wife. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know that I was in the presence of another one of his girls. So I just felt like I'm the only one, I'm the center of his universe because that's how he made me feel. So it wasn't until time passed and months down the road where I started to not like it. Mm-hmm. So it did ultimately become crowded and uncomfortable and frustrating. But at because first, when you see those, um, you know, like the show Sister Wives and things like yeah. that, the women tend to you know, support each other and be a, a community for each other. But it right. doesn't sound like this was that. No, this was not that. <laughs> this was not that. If anything, it was, you know, jealousy and we kept our distance. Yeah. You know, did not really want to be close. So, um, yeah, it was definitely not a kind <laughs> situation. It was much more of um, who's who's got the hierarchy right now and... Um, there wasn't a lot of personal sharing going on. Yeah, it's like competition. Competition. Yes. Let's talk about the modeling. Okay. So you're super fancy and we're doing all these really cool, you know, international shoots, so glamorous. But the thing that you, the life that you described often was the opposite of glamorous. Yeah. And I think would probably surprise a lot of people who think it's all yachts and champagne and whatever. Right. Why do you think it is that people don't, the disconnect between how it really is versus what we think of it as? Well, I think in order to find out what it's really like, you have to seek that information out because Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, there aren't a lot of successful models that really want to let on what it's like because they, they've got to keep the glamour up and the facade Mm -hmm. to build their brand. So it's all about building their brand. 
So once in a while, you'll find a young model who is really um, more, a little more sarcastic, a little more, um, uh, more of a fighter, a little bit more of a independent spirit, and she'll say what it's really like. There's this funny Instagram account called Shit Model Management. Oh my god, <laughs> I have to so follow that. Amazing, <laughs> and it tells what it's really like in in real life, and you can see the comments too. That everyone, it's all oh models god. that follow it. That's hilarious. And so she'll put something up, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that's me yesterday <laughs> in the agency," and it's so funny. But but that really does talk about what it's like. But most people wouldn't know to look for that. And probably people don't want to know. They like to believe that it's, you know, glamorous. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, fantasy. Like our lives you're, you're are all crappy. Fan- so we have to believe that you're, everyone else's is, like the models yeah. really have it great. Yeah, what is that? We like to look at celebrities on vacation and is it that we want to live through them? Right. We just had another book that we read for the um, podcast and it was about celebrity and it, that's what we were unpacking. Like why are we obsessed with this aspirational model of fame? Yeah. Even at the cost of privacy and, you know, peace. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have the answer. I just think it's a fascinating thing that our culture does. Right, right, right. Do you think that the modeling industry is the same as it was in the eighties or different? I think it's, I think it's the, I think it's the same. I think it's, I think it's the same. Yeah. I think that the characters have changed. The players are different the, you know, it could be a different drug or a different location or a different amount of money or a different nationality of woman or man. But I think it's all the same. And I think it's always been this way. I think that it, it, and traditionally I, I read about how, you know, the painter Degas Mm -hmm. who painted the ballerinas in his paintings, he always has a man in a top hat in the, in the background and those were the men that were sleeping with the ballerinas and paying their room and board so that they could be dancers. So there's always been an attraction of wealthy men to beautiful men, women, and they could afford to support them. And, you know, when you're a young woman from a really poor family, maybe you're from a communist country that doesn't have much, or you're from a bad neighborhood yeah. or you're from a farm town and you don't want to be there anymore. Maybe you grew up in a foster home. You're just looking for a way out. Yeah. A man that's willing to help provide for you to, so that you can be free from whatever it is you're running from. Mm. It, it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a system that works, but it's like a different prison. You're just moving to a different. Yeah, exactly. Age. That's right. No, totally. It's true. You are. But I, I don't think they realize that. It's just like prostitution. I mean, they, they get in it for a reason, but mm-hmm. they don't realize they're going to get trapped and sold and it, in ultimately have no power. So you, it's very tricky. Ha, do you have any regrets <laughs> in general or about anything you included in the book that you wish you hadn't? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's still time. I know there's still time to have regrets. Oh, I don't have regrets good. yet. Wow. You're so yeah. healthy. I don't know. Maybe I feel pretty healthy. That's good that you like you feel really at peace with everything. I do. I do, and I'm a I'm a very open person, and I've been that way for so long that 
I've learned, at least for me, that's the only way to be. And I'm more at peace just being open. And I feel like, you know, if, if someone's going to judge me, they're going to judge me. Um, but it, it only reflects on what they're dealing with, really, yeah, and the it. pain that they have. One of the things so. I thought that was really cool about your story is that in the end, it was as if Adnan was a vehicle through which you could then become a successful uh, businesswoman in your own right, which right. is not how people would expect that story to, to pan out. Right. Can you explore <clears throat> that idea and how and what you because your book is like you had different lives. Yeah. And even after the book, my it's I so people that I know or, you know, when I was in therapy, they would say to me, it's like you've lived five lives already. Yeah. And they were telling me that like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I feel like I have gone through a lot. Um, so, OK, wait, tell me that. What was the question? So, again? Like, you, you, ended, you ended up. <clears throat> Oh, in right. fashion school. Right. Okay. And so she I got distracted. played a role in that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No. Just, yes. It's amazing. So luckily for me, you know, I was not sold as a sex slave. I was in a relationship willingly with him. And it was a beautiful friendship that we had, a very yeah. open, honest relationship. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Um, he never liked the modeling business, even though that was how he met me. He didn't have respect for that business and he wanted me to get out of it. Um, and I met this other girl at one of the dinners who was in med school and she was one of his pleasure wives also. And I felt really intimidated and I felt really stupid. Honestly, I felt really insecure and dumb because I didn't have an education. I only had a high school diploma and a little bit of junior college. And so it was after that night that he asked me, or he said to me, you know, if you're going to continue modeling, because the other part is that I wouldn't allow him to support me. I remained independent through the whole thing. I wouldn't take his money. I wouldn't take big gifts. I wanted to remain independent. I didn't want to owe anybody anything. So... Um, he kept saying, why don't you quit modeling and just travel with me? And I was like, no, how am I going to pay my rent if I don't? And he's like, well, I'll take care of it. And I said, no, you can't pay my rent. I have to be independent. Mm -hmm. So he said, if you're going to continue to model, then why don't you get an education? And it totally hit me that he was right. And then it occurred to me that that was why I started modeling in the first place was to go to fashion design school because more than being a model, I had never dreamed of being a model. I wanted to be a designer. So he agreed to pay my tuition for fashion design. He wanted to pay it. Um, it, he was, it was like, a, it made him happy to pay that for me. So he gave me $20,000 for my tuition that and is I so cool. plunked it down and signed up like instantly. <laughs> yeah. And you, did you feel like you, that's what you were meant to do? Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And it was confusing for a while because I missed modeling because I could still model in LA, but I couldn't run off to Paris or Milan. I couldn't go to Japan for a couple of months to just make money. I was tied to school. So that was painful when I would watch the collections, I'd yeah. watch the catwalk and I would be like, I want to be up there. Yeah. So I felt really torn for, Oh God, for a few 
years actually missing modeling. Yeah. Because it's it was, a part of your identity was, too. It was, it really was. Hmm. And, and a lot of, you know, once I got more successful, the jobs were fun. They weren't all crappy jobs. They were beginning to be better and better jobs. So it's fun. Wow. Do you, you know, I mean, think that you, a, sorry, I just feel like your story, there, there's so much more even, do you think you'll write another book? Or are you like, I am done. I'm over. Yeah. It. You know, a lot of people after reading it, they want me to write the follow-up because you know, it, it ends when I'm still very young and a lot happened since then as well. Um, the, the reason I'm a little skeptical is that writing, it took me a long time to, time to write because I wasn't trained as a writer Mm -hmm. for one thing, but it involves a lot of sitting and at, you know, I I don't like to sit that much. I like to swim. I like to walk. I like to do yoga. I like to be active. So to sit at my computer for eight hours a day, you know, hunched over my, you know, my back was having problems and. I don't know. That's the one thing that scares me. But as far as telling the stories, I I just wonder if they would inspire people. I hope they would inspire people. That would be the only reason I would really want to do it. Has there been any backlash? Anybody mad at you besides your folks about your book? Not yet. Not like the modeling community or? No, not yet. No. And I changed a lot of names. So I, I did. I even changed my one of my agency's names. Um, yeah, I changed a lot of names. I haven't heard anything back. Not yet. <laughs> no, that's so good because you're just telling yeah. your truth. And I think that you should be able to do that without. I agree. I agree. And that's the other sticky part with the follow-up book is that I was, I survived two abusive marriages and then I survived mm-hmm. um, corporate fraud and, oh and, sexual harassment. So there are, oops, somebody's calling me. Oh, Hold sorry. On. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Um, so I would have to figure out how to tell those stories in a way that I wouldn't get sued from yeah. these billionaires, you know? Yeah. It's more complicated, which I think I could, I could just change the names and just, you know, if they want to call themselves out and say, I did that, then <laughs> right. <let> them. <laughs> But I don't, I, I don't like that the, the, not the victim. Cause I don't like to think of myself as a victim, but, but I don't like that. It's difficult for the person that happened to, to talk about it for fear of retribution from the person who did it. Right. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah. It's like the abuse continues. Yeah. Yeah. That's really troubling, but the, the system, you know, in my opinion, it's made by dudes and right. dudes are often the one you know, doing the bad business and doing right. horrible things to women. Right. So of course the system is designed to screw the ladies. Yeah. And that's how I see it. Yeah. And it's true. That's how I see it as well. It's, but yeah. it, that's why your book is so beautiful because you tell this story, it's your truth and you're speaking for so many other people that aren't in the position to share their story or for whatever reason they can't write a book. And so I'm really glad you wrote yours. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I hope it, I hope it makes people feel like they're not alone and that there's somebody else who's been through it. And, um, I wanted to encourage 
encourage women who've gone through these difficult things just to keep on going. Well, and I mean, here's what's crazy. It's inspiring. It's um, encouraging and supportive to people who have gone through those things, but it's also a page turner. (laughs) I think I told you last time we spoke, I read the whole thing in a day because I couldn't put it down. It was like, I cannot believe this is someone's real life (laughs) and it's sexy and it's beautiful. And so there's so many elements to it that are That hard. makes me so happy. Yeah, man, because it's good. I didn't know how to write. I had never, I was a fashion designer for 20 years, 25 years or whatever, and a model, I did not know how to write a book. Well, you're a quick study so, because it's fantastic. Well, it's a quick study at seven years, it, like, it took me. <laughs> did it really? Like you would yeah. do it in chunks? Oh, I was working on it all the time in over seven years. Yeah. Well, I have one of my daughters has had a serious health problem. And so, um, I got to work on it a lot when I was taking care of her. Um, but then when she, she has improved, thank God. And, uh, so I, you know, the past several years, it's just been full time, but when she was sick, it was part time. Um, Wow. And now yeah, you have to talk about it nonstop. It's like probably, you probably feel like it's never going to go away. All these stories. Well, I like talking about it I, I, because I, I, I need to be reminded that it's, that it's helping people. And I, yeah. I just hope that I hope people enjoy it. And if for nothing else that it's entertaining. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's just good to be entertained. Yeah, man, what a what life. Did you get, what did you get out of it? That's I was I'm just excited about, I'm always happy to hear stories of women who survive sexual assault and get a voice to share that story. Because um, when that happened to me, I was 18 and a virgin and no, nobody even, the people, the few people I did tell, no one even said like, well, we should call the police or, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that wasn't even on the table. Yeah. And so it wasn't back in just a few years back. It wasn't even. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, the more we talk about this and the more young or any woman or anybody who's sexually assaulted knows this is a crime and people need to be held accountable. So I'm always happy to hear those stories. And you're a badass in general. And I love meeting women who are determined and passionate and funny like you <laughs> thank you I like that you're funny too I know I we, love your humor oh my god your Instagram posts kill me <laughs> it's like you know you can go to real therapy or you can like work it out I used to do stand-up comedy and I always felt like that was therapy you know are you serious I didn't know that yeah I mean just for fun like I, I did it for years just because it was like the cathartic thing He's like, wow. get it off my chest. You guys have to take it on now. That's awesome. It's so fun. Are you, do you have any YouTube? No um, way. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. I want to see. I keep watching um, specials though. Like I think because I'm not a Trump fan. And so uh, me either. this presidency no. has made me like watch comedy specials all the time to make me feel me better. T- same here. <laughs> same here. That's how I get through it. And so I said to my husband, I want to try comedy again, I think, because like I'm watching it so much. I'm like getting that bug, you know? Yeah. So if I do it, you'll be invited. Yes. You are so funny, though. I mean, your sarcasm just kills me. Hey. I like today when your son is like choking, you know, (laughs) 
giving you guys the death grip on the way to kindergarten. <laughs> right, right before he like hit me because he didn't want to go in the room. Yeah. My God. And yeah. that's the other thing is like when you have kids is you do like you got to get through. It's all survival. Right. Whatever right. it takes. Right. I, and I have an autistic son too. Oh. Who's so... 32. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> really? 32. Yeah. Yeah, and does, where does he live? Does he live? In he your... lives down the street. He no was way. just here. And I, he said, he goes, um, I told him I was going to do a podcast and he goes, Oh, I should leave then. I said, no, you should stay. <laughs> and he left. And, and then he left. He left. <laughs> I wish he would have stayed though. So you could see him. Uh, yeah, he's, right. he's my man baby. And he looks like a caveman. <laughs> he's six foot three. He's humongous, oh and he's God. all hairy. And because people with autism don't like to have their hair cut. Yes, my nephew's the same way. He won't get his hair cut. <laughs> yeah, he hates it. Yeah. See, so. we're kindred spirits. <laughs> you know that. Now, yeah, we, I do know that. The first time we met, I'm like, Jill, you're stuck with me, and you probably were like, whatever. And I'm like, no, real. No, I was like, you're stuck with me too. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad the podcast is bringing, uh, you know, these new, fun, wonderful women into my life. Wait, let me uh, tell everybody about your book one more time, and then I'll turn the recorder off and I'll say goodbye properly. Everybody should read The Currency of Love, A Courageous Journey to Finding the Love Within by Jill Dodd, because it's freaking great. And congrats on the book. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you.